Welcome to the My Faith Votes podcast. I'm Megan West. On today's episode, we talk with My Faith Votes national spokesperson, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. He answers a number of your questions on hot topics of today and also addresses the upcoming elections. Well, we at My Faith Votes are very excited to announce that we have a new national spokesperson. He is a retired U.S. Army Lieutenant Colonel. He has served our country as a U.S. Congressman, serving the 22nd um, Congressional District in Florida. He's an author. He's a political commentator. He's a husband. He's a father. Um, but we love him because he loves God and he loves this country. So would you please welcome our new national spokesperson, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, Megan. It's good to be with you, my cousin. I mean, we got Megan yeah, tonight. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Same last name. It's a great last name. That's right. But we're, I'm excited to see you because just a few weeks ago, you were in a really horrific motorcycle accident, and it's a miracle that you are joining us. How are you doing? You know, I'm doing very well, and you're right. I'm a walking miracle because no one survives a motorcycle crash at 75 miles per hour on an interstate highway, and I was hit from behind on the 23rd of May, and uh, the fact that I've healed so well. I had the shoulder surgery two weeks ago to uh, reconstruct the socket bone here in my right uh, shoulder, and I uh, got two screws in there, but started physical therapy. I'm back to running. I am uh, got up to four and a half miles a couple of days ago running, so it, it's just a blessing from God, and, and that's why I just tell people that God is so good, and out of him, all things work to the good of those who love the Lord and call it according to his purpose, because for whatever reason, he decided he wasn't finished with me yet. Absolutely. Well, you have a purpose and we're we're honored at My Faith Votes that part of your purpose is to get to be our spokesperson. So we reached out to our followers because they were just overwhelmingly supportive and excited that you were joining our team. And we asked for people to submit questions for you because we wanted to get your opinion on a lot of different topics going on. And we had almost 500 questions submitted. Wow. Oh, wow. They want to hear from you. And um, we're not going to be able to get to all of them, obviously. But we just want to kind of touch on some of the highlights that people were bringing up, mm -hmm. especially in light of our nation, and really just get your thoughts on some of the things going on right now. So I'm going to jump in. And I'm actually going to start with um, a question from Joyce. And she's really speaking to a lot of what's happening in the cultural moment. And she said, why are the vocal few destroying monuments and burning our flag being allowed to do so? I cannot understand why this lawlessness is being permitted. You know, it's very interesting. And thanks for the question, Joyce, because when, when I look at what is happening, this revision of our history, reimagining of our history, I think that this has been a result of the long, slow march. That's what Chairman Mao called it back in China where you get this progressive socialist, secular humanist, uh, Marxist ideology that wants to undermine the very existence of the longest running constitutional republic that the world has ever known. That's the East United States of America. And history is not there for us to like it or dislike it. History is there for us to learn from. And uh, for whatever reason, you know, this has started in our schools and our school systems, which used to be a system of education, but now it's a system of indoctrination. And again, we see the uh, what we have sown from that happening so that now we're not teaching history. We don't teach civics. We are teaching this thing called social studies, which is very subjective. 
So why is it this uh, small minority being the ones that are able to go out and do what they're doing? Sadly, so many of us have been out there living our lives, raising our families, working hard, but yet there has been a dedicated effort in the United States of America with this ideology that has come here to undermine us and who we are fundamentally and our foundations and our bedrocks. Uh, and, and I think it's important that we start to challenge it because it comes down to one, one simple choice. It's either the rule of law or it's the rule of the mob. And if there is any time in history, recent history, that I would say the United States of America is, it's probably the mid-1930s in, in Germany. That's what we see happening. We cannot allow people to coerce, threat, intimidate, instill fear, and even use violence in order to advance their ideological agenda. But that's exactly what is happening. And uh, we have to stop allowing ourselves to be demonized because we stand up for the rule of law. Well, and there was a lot of sentiment saying they're just confused why our government leaders aren't doing anything, why it's being allowed to happen. Can you speak to that at all? I think there's a lot of fear and a lot of reticence and recalcitrance with uh, some of our elected officials because they're afraid to be called a name. And I think that's one of the key things that we have to do. You know, we have to push through this name calling and all of these uh, denigrations that are out there, because if you stand for what is right, you should not worry about being called a name. That's why you look at organizations such as Black Lives Matter. That's a very oxymoronic name because they don't care about the issues that are happening in the black community. They don't care about the murders that you saw in Chicago this past weekend. They only care about an ideological agenda and the things that they can use to advance that ideological agenda. And the, the founders have come out and admitted that they are trained Marxists. So why should we allow ourselves to kowtow, try to appease, compromise and negotiate with an organization that is Marxist in nature, just the same as what you see happen in Seattle with this autonomous zone that was established there? So we have to reestablish rule of, uh, the rule of the law. We have to reestablish the respect of authority. And look, in, in any given career profession, there are going to be bad apples, bad cops, bad soldiers, bad lawyers, bad pastors. But that does not mean that we demonize an entire career profession, which is exactly what you see the secular humanist and progressive socialist left doing. So well, you bring up the point of Black Lives Matter. And this week you released an article speaking about the movement of Black Lives Matter. And I think a lot of people are surprised to learn what's really behind it because we don't hear about that in the media. Can you share a little bit more of the insights that you wrote about regarding just the nature of the organization? Well, simple. Uh, once again, I brought out the fact that if you follow the money, you will see that they are supported by far left uh, donors. I mean, the open society programs of George Soros and uh, the three women who uh, founded Black Lives Matter have, again, come out and said openly in video that they are trained Marxists. As a matter of fact, one of them uh, took a picture with uh, the dictator uh, Maduro down in, in Venezuela. I don't think we want those type of people to be in charge of an organization that is really extorting millions of dollars from corporations and businesses and things of that nature. But when you look at the preeminent issues in the black community, you go to the website of Black Lives Matter. When you talk about the traditional nuclear family, the two parent household, man and woman. When I was born in 1961, that was at 77% in the black community. Today it's at 24%. But yet on Black Lives Matter's website, they say the traditional nuclear family is a representation of white supremacy. But yet when you have an organization like Planned Parenthood that since 1973 Roe versus Wade, you have had 20 million unborn black babies murdered in the womb. 
the Planned Parenthood was founded by a white supremacist and a racist, Margaret Sanger. You have never heard anyone from Black Lives Matter speak out against that organization. Why? Because it's supported by the left. And when you look at the fact that Planned Parenthood has 70% plus of their clinics in minority communities, especially black communities, that's the real genocide. And so, uh, you know, the, the most important civil rights issue, I think, right now in the United States of America is educational freedom. The equality of opportunity that you enjoy in America comes only one way, by getting a good quality education. But Black Lives Matter doesn't talk about the failed schools that we see in our inner cities. They don't talk about economic opportunity zones. And, and I wrote that piece, a black man's letter to Black Lives Matter, to encourage people to see this organization for who it is and stand up against this organization. I have to tell you one thing, Megan, that really upsets me is the fact that I look out there and they're pastors that are supporting a Marxist organization because Marxism is antithetical to our Judeo-Christian faith heritage. Well, and I, you bring up an interesting point because there was a question from Sarah. She says, is the Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter debate really a big deal? Do you think it's okay for Christians to use the message Black Lives Matter in order to show sympathy with Black friends, but not cause an unnecessary controversy? No, you don't. You don't people are playing with that. Yeah, you don't need to be co-opted into that because as a Christian, all souls matter. Mm -hmm. And that's what you should be talking about. And that should be the focus uh, uh, of our message. Because again, I don't want to see people being, you know, browbeaten into accepting something that really is antithetical to what we believe as Christians. And that's the important part of folks going out there and not falling uh, prey to the irrational emotionalism that is out there. And, you know, when you want to have a discussion in the United States of America, everybody wants to come back and say, we need to talk about race and there's racism and all of this. What we really need to talk about is the failure of the great society programs of Lyndon Baines Johnson. And look at what has happened in the major urban population centers all across the United States of America. That is the real cancer that is metastasized all across our great nation. Uh, because when you go back, you know, you, you're, you're talking to your cousin here, Alan, who was born in 1961 in a blacks only hospital. So how is it that a guy born in a blacks only hospital grew up in the inner city of Atlanta, Georgia, grows up to become a Lieutenant Colonel, commands a battalion in combat, becomes a, a member of the United States House of Representatives, only in the history of Florida, only two, Black Republicans have ever served in Congress. The first one was Josiah T. Walls, 1873 to 1876, and then myself. So how is it that these things are happening? And so that's what we need to focus on is how do we see a community that was the strongest during some of the most horrible times in this country? It started with the decimation of the family. So that's what Christians need to be talking about and not being co-opted into accepting a message that really does not support Christianity. Hmm. There's another question from Ronald. He said, having been in Selma, Alabama in 1963, I observed real unrestrained racism. I thought America was making real progress until Ferguson, Missouri. What happened? Well, what happened in Ferguson, Missouri was, was once again, the proliferation of a false narrative. And that continues to be something that we're concerned about because everyone was going around saying, hands up, don't shoot. And even when the evidence uh, came out, uh, people did not want to accept it. This entire country was unified, Megan, when we saw that video of what happened to George Floyd. There was no doubt about it. 
The fact that someone put the full body weight in their left knee on someone's carotid artery and basically murdered an individual. I don't care that he was uh, being arrested. He still had dignity as a human being and three officers standing over him. But again, we saw people that used that uh, as a means by which they could leverage to divide us and promote their own ideological agenda. And so the real question should have been, why was these, this officer who had 19 complaints against him still a police officer? That was the real question. And how can we get more young men and young women in these urban centers to grow up and become police officers and truly be community police officers in their own community? When my older brother got back from Vietnam as a Marine Corps infantryman, there was one thing he wanted to be. He wanted to be an Atlanta police officer. He wanted to continue to serve his community, and he did. And so I think that those are the rational solutions that we need to be looking at. But for whatever reason, we continue to allow certain people to manipulate us. And the media has an incredible part in this, especially the leftist media. And they have dragged us once again down this rabbit hole of hate and divisiveness. Well, you bring up a lot of questions that came in regarding the media. So in fact, there's one here from Mark. It said, it's hard to trust anything being reported in the news. What do you recommend we as Christians look to in order to be informed on current events and not manipulated? Well, one of the things I used to always tell troops as a commander in combat, you never trust the first report. So you've got to go out and you've got to you know, search other sources and confirm a report. And you have to ha do your due diligence. I, I think that we have a lot of great Christian broadcasting uh, networks that are out there that provide a good basis by which you can uh, study and understand and, and read. I think that you have to also flip over to the, some of the other channels and outlets to, to see uh, exactly what is being proliferated on those media networks. And, and I do that. I go to CNN, I go to MSNBC, I'll go to uh, the BBC, I'll go to uh, the, the Economist, I'll go to many different outlets to try to make sure that I'm getting all the different perspectives. And then I am able to come up with my own uh, perspective based upon what I have gleaned to be the truth. And so it's important for us to do that and not just be mindless lemmings. As a matter of fact, one of the things that uh, Vladimir Lenin coined the phrase, the useful idiots. And I see that there are so many people in the United States of America that are just blindly following and uh, just accepting whatever is you know, promulgated out there as truth. And too often people are depending upon entertainment uh, you know, figures and people of that nature. And, and I just wanna get this point out here. Uh, we believe in the United States of America in the three branches of the government. You have the executive branch, the legislative branch, and the judiciary. But what the left, the progressive socialist left in America believes in is the three branches of rule. And the three branches of rule for them are the courts, media, and academia. And when you look at that, that is how they have so, of course, taken over the entertainment industry and the culture. That's how they have such an, an incredible control and power over the information systems here in the United States of America. But we got to do our due diligence. And I think that there are more people that are going out there and questioning and not trusting exactly what they see for face value. It do, And it does take work. You've got to search things out and just look who's saying what, where is it being said, and then find the facts. And not everybody wants to take that step, but I think we as Christians have to rise to that level and do our due diligence, like you said, to do that. Um, and, and not wake up in the morning and go, take a deep breath before I look at social media or the news, yeah. but go confidently that we serve a, a king who is in control and we need to know what we're doing, but 
but we can trust that he's in control ultimately. Absolutely. I mean, it says in Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every time which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn for that. That's our heritage. Mm -hmm. those who are called uh, to love the Lord. And, you know, God told Joshua three times to be strong and a good courage. He will never leave him nor forsake him. And so I think that, you know, God is looking for us to be emboldened. And that's why I am so honored to be part of my faith votes, because when you think about the fact that the Christian community, you know, 24, 25% voter turnout, we cannot continue to go down this path. I would have never thought in just my 59 years of living that I would see a Christian have to go before the Supreme Court of the United States of America to defend his very first liberty in the Bill of Rights, in our Constitution, our rule of law, which is the freedom of religion and the free exercise thereof. But yet that's what Jack Phillips, a simple baker from Colorado, had to do. And that's why we need to have the Christian community engaged and stop sitting back and just not caring. Right. And like you said, that's really why My Faith Votes was founded in 2015, because we knew, we saw the statistics that 25 million Christians who are registered to vote don't vote Mm -hmm. in presidential elections. That's leaving so much influence on the table. And it only gets worse at non-presidential election years because people just step back and don't do it. So you, you, you're known as a change agent. How do we encourage and motivate Christians to see the importance of voting, especially when some Christians say, oh, I just don't want to be involved in politics. It's too messy. I'll, I'll just let other people vote. How do we encourage them? Well, I will tell them exactly what the great Greek philosopher Plato once said. He said, one of the penalties for refusing to participate in politics is that you shall be governed by your inferiors. And that's where we are in the United States of America. I don't think that our our best and brightest are in elected positions. If they were in elected positions, you would not have people going around and making the decisions that they are making in this COVID-19. No elected official has the enumerated power or right to be able to say who or what is essential in the United States of America. And the fact that on an Easter Sunday, we had churches that were deemed not essential. But yet you can go out and buy marijuana and things of this nature. That's why we need to have Christians involved. When you look at the Supreme Court decision that just came out last week that said classified sexual behavior as a protected class. Uh, I'm not trying to say that I'm against anyone for choosing whatever uh, person they want to love, but that does not supersede my constitutional right when it comes to the freedom of religion and the free exercise thereof. And again, when we start to not understand our basic civics, the Supreme Court does not make law. The Supreme Court interprets law. But yet we have people that are believing in the United States of America right now, a person can do an executive order, a mandate, an edict, and that becomes law. You know, when you are telling healthy Americans that they have to stay in their house, that's called illegal martial law. That's called house arrest. And I think it's so important that Christians start to stand up and say, you know, we're not going back into the catacombs. And uh, this is a this is a very important part. When when now it has gone beyond the the monuments and the statues and things, people starting to talk about stained glass windows. And where do you find any stained glass windows? You find them at churches. So why do we have to destroy stained glass windows? So I want to be an example of fearlessness mm-hmm. to inspire other people to find their fearlessness. Because if we don't have courage, which is the thing that God told Joshua three times to be strong and a good courage, God didn't call us to be wimps, whiners, and wussies. <laughs> and it upsets me when I see Christians that are allowing themselves to be walked over. 
We have a question here from David, and he says, what do you believe is the most critical responsibility for believers at this time of our cultural turmoil in our nation? I think the most critical aspect for believers at this time is to understand what righteous governance is. Hmm. Uh, because so often people think that they're just supposed to succumb to the government and whatever is mandated. Uh, you have to stand up and make sure that it is righteous governance. You have to understand your rights, your liberties. You know, this country was established unlike any other country. Um, when you go back and you read the Declaration of Independence, where it says that our inalienable rights as individuals are endowed to us from a creator God, the Judeo-Christian God of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. No other nation was founded based upon that principle that says that, you know, man does not give you your rights. Government, therefore, does not give you your rights. It comes from your creator God. And that means that the individual is sovereign, not the institution of government. And so we need to have you know, people in the Christian community to stand up and understand that. And we need to have more Christians that are running for elected office, such right. as school boards, such as city council. And I think that's another aspect that we need to see a, a, a reawakening of here in the United States of America. But I think without a doubt, the number one thing is that we have to understand our role and responsibility to uh, seek out righteous governance and not a governance that would seek to persecute and prosecute us. And that goes back to understanding really what the meaning of separation of church and state is, because a lot of people have allowed that to kind of go off the rails. Uh, that's not in our declaration. That's not in the Federalist Papers. That's not in the Constitution. It's a concept that uh, Thomas Jefferson wrote to the Danbury Baptist Convention of Connecticut, because what Jefferson did not want to see happen, and that's why it's codified in our Constitution, is the head of state become the head of a religion, which is what King Henry VIII did. Uh, and unfortunately, what we see happening in America is that there are people that are believing that their ideological agenda has become their religion. And if you don't succumb to that ideological agenda, then you will be persecuted and prosecuted. And we gotta call it and we gotta see it as it is. Right, well, here's a question from Melissa that's kind of along those lines. We're living in dark times where evil is good and good is evil. People don't want to hear or believe truth or facts if it doesn't support their ideology or agenda. How do we continue to live our biblical faith and worldview, stand up for truth and what is right, but also at the same time educate people about the importance of voting this November? Well, you know, Melissa, you bring out a great point. I mean, that is uh, what it says in Romans chapter 12, uh, verse one, where it says that you're not supposed to be conformed to this world. I think that right now people are looking for that light. They're looking for the salt. They're looking for the people that can go through these dark times and illuminate a way. And that's what we have to do. And it says that in Matthew, I believe, chapter six, where it talks about us being the light of the world. And then furthermore, when you look at 2 Timothy, I believe it's in chapter four, we've got to stop you know, following these false prophets and these false narratives. We've got to stop wanting to have our ears tickled, as it says uh, in, in 2 Timothy, because that is not helping us. And so I would challenge our pastors, you got to stand up for what is right. You know, I had a great, you know, one of those old Southern moms, you know, tough, hard as woodpecker lips in the wintertime. And my mom taught me that a man must stand for something or else he'll fall for anything. And I think that's an important aspect 
of where we are here in the United States of America. And uh, it wasn't too long ago that you had an openly lesbian mayor in the city of Houston, because I'm here in Texas, by the name of Annie Parker. And so they tried to push through this bathroom legislation down in the city of Houston by basically edict. They weren't going to do it by referendum. And there were pastors in Houston that were speaking out against this because of their faith. Well, Annie Parker sent out a subpoena for their past for their uh, their sermons. We cannot allow ourselves to go down that point. And uh, my cohort is national spokesperson, Governor Mike Huckabee. He led the charge against mm -hmm. that. And uh, he made sure that Annie's Parker backed down. That's the power that we have when we understand our fundamental principles and values and we're strong in our faith. Well, it makes me think there's a quote by Oswald Chambers that says we've substituted doctrinal belief for personal belief. Yeah. And that's why so many people are um, essentially devoted to causes rather than devoted to Christ. And I think we've we've gotten things all messed up because we haven't gone back to the Bible. And that should be a, our foundation in all things. It, it should be a foundation. And, and, you know, I'm sure that there are probably some people from the left that may be listening in on this and they will come back and say, well, Megan West and Alan West will talk about instituting a theocracy in the United States of America. No, we're not. And, and we're not talking about, you know, having rule by the Bible which is you know, kind of funny because progressive socialists seem to find allies with Islamic jihadists. But what we're talking about are, is understanding the fundamentals. When you look at the Ten Commandments and you look at our rule of law, I mean, the Ten Commandments really does form the basis of our rule of law and so many things that you see there. Uh, when you're standing in the United States House of Representatives, when you're in the speaker's rostrum and up there along the, the walls, you will see all of the great lawgivers of the world, but they're all side face. There's only one great lawgiver that looks down on the president or looks down on the speaker of the house. And that's the face of Moses. And so we have to understand the foundations of the Judeo-Christian faith heritage for the United States of America. And again, our, our inalienable rights come from the creator God. And that goes back to John Locke. I mean, in Treatise of Government, late 1600s, where he said that those natural rights, those are natural rights, not divine rights that come from a king, a queen, a duke, a duchess, a prince or a princess, but they're natural rights that come from the creator, life, liberty, and property. Jefferson changed it to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But you're so right in that we have people out there that are making this moral relativism uh, argument. There are absolutes in the world. Okay, they're, they're, you know, if, if you're on a motorcycle going 75 miles an hour, someone hits you from behind, you're not going to stay on the motorcycle, people. That's an absolute. And it's going to hurt. Okay, I'm living witness to that. So we have to stop looking for the relative argument. We have to stop looking. I remember when Ofer Winfrey said, you know, you know, everyone has their own truth. That's not correct. As a matter of fact, there was a great liberal Democrat senator by the name of Daniel Patrick Monahan who once said that you are entitled to your own opinions, but you're not entitled to your own truths. Well, I want to talk about the elections again, because it seems like in elections past, we always hear this is the most consequential election of our lifetime. Is that true this year? And maybe speak to that phrase that we tend to hear in the past, but now here we're in 2020. Is this the most significant election of our lifetime? More than ever it is, Megan, because there is no doubt that there's an ideological civil war. The battle lines have been drawn in the United States of America, and it is about constitutional conservatism, and it is against uh, progressive socialism, secular humanism, and that is being played out. When you look at, again, it's the rule of law or it's the mob rule, and th this really is all about one single thing. 
the United States of America is about the right and true relationship between the individual and the institution of government. The individual is sovereign over the institution of government in the United States of America. You can read the Declaration, you can go through the Federalist Papers, you can go through the Constitution, and that's what you see. But for whatever reason, we have people that are believing that the institution of government is superseding or sovereign over the individual. And this collectivism that we see happening uh, and this collective subjugation that we see trying to be imposed upon us, this sense of identity politics, you don't have to try to convince anyone uh, about who the other side, the progressive socialist left is and what they want to do. Once upon a time when I was in Congress, you had to try to make that argument. You don't have to make that argument anymore. They are telling you exactly who they are. So the, the, the point is, and we talked about the ripping down of monuments and things of this nature. That's the exact same thing the Taliban did in Bamiyan province in Afghanistan of the, uh, the, the Buddhist uh, uh, statues. That's the exact same thing that ISIS did in northern Iraq and over into Syria to try to erase history. It's the exact same thing that National Socialists did in Germany. It's the exact same thing that communists in China and Russia everywhere has always sought to do. And it always does come back to the suppression of any faith and belief system, especially the Christian faith and belief system, because you cannot believe that there is some higher calling. There's something more sovereign than man and government. And so I think that, again, those ideological battle lines have been drawn much the same as William Barrett Travis drew the line in the sand at the Alamo and said, which side of the line are you going to stand? That's the choice we have to make. If you go back to Joshua 24, 15, Joshua said very succinctly in his farewell address, choose for yourselves today. Choose for yourselves today whom you shall serve, being the gods of the Amorites or the gods from across the river. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So I think it's an important time for us now to make that dedication and make that commitment. Are we going to stand for God and country? Or are we going to stand for this fundamental transformation of the United States of America? All right, well, let's get to some more questions about voting as we're speaking about that. Um, Kim says, with all the talk of mail-in ballots and potential voter fraud, how can I be sure that my vote is properly counted? Well, that's one of the big concerns. And as a matter of fact, here in Dallas County, where I live uh, in, in Texas, uh, we had the county commission vote four to one. There was only one Republican on the Dallas County Commission. Four to one that a person that had a fear of contracting COVID-19 could claim that as a disability, and so therefore they could get a mail-in ballot. That's how absurd it has become that people are trying to reclassify what a disability is. And so when you look at ballot harvesting, what was done out there in California in 2018, and this push for mail-in balloting, as a matter of fact, Eric Holder in a Newsweek article back in April talked about how COVID-19 can change elections in the United States of America forever. We don't want to see that happen here. We don't want to become some third world banana republic where the United States citizen is concerned about the validity and the relevance of their individual vote. That's a very prized possession that men and women have fought and died for. And that's a very prized possession that you know soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines have gone to other countries to try to make sure that people have fair elections. But yet we have individuals that are trying to undermine that here. So I would say, uh, make sure that you are educated on that issue. Make sure that folks go out there and become an elections judge. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you're out there on election day and report some of the nefarious and uh, you know suspicious things that you, are see, you see happening. Uh, we gotta make sure that the voter rolls are clean. 
You know, nobody in America is against voting rights. We just want to make sure that we do have that right to vote. Another voting question that comes from Charlotte. She says, I'm a Christian, but I feel like there is no one to vote for in the upcoming elections. Is it better not to vote than vote for someone I don't agree with? Well, uh, you know, once again, uh, that's one of the things we can't have happen. And, and I think that you will find someone that shares your principles and values. And, and Ronald Reagan always talked about the 75% rule. He would rather support someone and be with someone 75% of the time than be against someone because of the 25%. So I think it's very important that you understand those issues that are critical to you and you support those candidates. And another thing that we have to do, and it comes back to what I said, let's start raising up that next generation of constitutional Christian conservatives that go out there and stand for the fundamental principles and values of this great nation and the things that we uh, say that we believe in as a nation that are codified in our rule of law. But to sit this out, that means that you're allowing, you know, something completely different and antithetical to possibly come into power and control the United States of America. You know, I know a lot of people, you know, Christians out there had problems, you know, voting for President Trump. But understand this. In the Old Testament, God used Cyrus. He used Nebuchadnezzar. He used Xerxes to you know, make sure that his people were looked after and taken care of. So we don't know who God may send. To, to intercede on behalf of his people. Uh, now, is there a David somewhere out there in the United States of America? I, I do believe so. But I don't think that we need to sit back and wait for that David when we can at least make sure that as Christians, we have the best opportunity possible to ensure that we're not driven back into the catacombs. Because if progressive socialism is the dominant ideolog ideological uh, uh, governing philosophy in America, we're in trouble in the community what my faith votes our website we've got three things to help people really think well and be prepared and equipped to vote first of all we have a pray section so people can get prayer guides just weekly devotionals really how to pray for our country and what's going on pray for the issues pray for our leaders we also have a think section so people can look at the issues from a biblical perspective and know how to go to the voting booth and think about the critical issues at hand and then also we have a voting um, section where we have a voting assistance center where people can register to vote. They can see their ballots. They can get voter guides. They can find their polling place, get election reminders. It is comprehensive. So you don't have to say, I don't know how to do this. I don't know where to go. I don't know how this works, but we've taken all that um, for you. So you just go to myfaithvotes.org and all that information will be there. And um, it helps you look through the candidates to see what they stand for, what they don't, who's endorsing them. And that can be a, a pretty eye-opening thing as well. Uh, we've got a question from Janelle. She says, as believers, what is the best litmus test in order to choose the best candidate? Uh, the best litmus test is to go back and look at uh, your inalienable rights. It's about life. It's about liberty. It's about the pursuit of happiness. And I think that when you look at those three categories of rights, uh, you just look at a person and, you know, do your due diligence, as Megan talked about, and go out there and look for the resources that My Faith Votes and the other organizations put out there so that you can, you know, really study and understand those candidates. And uh, I think it is important that we hold candidates responsible. You know, it, it really doesn't come down to R&D anymore. Mm. And I want people to understand that. I mean, it's, it's not about political parties. It's about philosophy of governance. It's about how do you see the individual in that relationship to the institution of government? And there are Republicans out there that are making some not so good decisions. 
of, about you know you know the freedoms and liberties that we're supposed to have that are endowed to us, not to them. And so I think it's important that we do that. We look at that. We read that. We understand that. But most importantly, Christians have to understand what righteous governance is. And we have to stop, as I said earlier, allowing our ears to be tickled. And we have to start pursuing statesmen and stateswomen, uh, people that are going to tell us what we need to hear, not just what we want to hear based upon some survey or, or poll that's been taken. That's a critical point as well. Yeah. Well, the pro-life issue is a big deal for voters, especially. First thing, life. <laughs> yeah, we got a question from Janet, though. She said, I would like some tips on how to have a conversation with someone who professes to be a Christian, but they say they're also pro-choice. Well, it's very simple. Uh, I think you go to Deuteronomy. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm testing myself, but uh, God said, you know, choose, and, oh. but choose life so that you and your children will live. And it also refers to it back in, uh, in in Psalms. So it is all laid out. I, I don't understand how anyone could call themselves a Christian and support a, a, a position of murdering unborn babies. As a matter of fact, when you think about, you know, that farewell address that God, Joshua gave the, the children of Israel and how they all stood up and said, yes, we will follow the Lord. We will continue to worship and honor the Lord. But then when you turn over to Judges, the next book, and it talks about how Joshua passed away and the generations after Joshua passed away. And guess what happened to the children of Israel? They started to lay down and worship the Baals. And one of the gods of the Baals was a god by the name of Moloch, M-O-L-O-C-H. And guess what Moloch was? He was the god of child sacrifice. So if we're not continuing to talk about these things and especially talk about these issues uh, with our children, with the next generation, then the next thing you know, these things become acceptable. And, and I look at it in the black community, because going back to what we started talking about earlier on with Black Lives Matter, I don't remember the black community celebrating murdering our unborn children. But yet since 1973, 20 million. You want to talk about a genocide? You know, it, there's not a genocide of white police officers shooting unarmed black men. In 2019, the number was only nine. But 20 million black babies murdered in the womb. That's a powerful statement. And I think that we should go out and ask people, do you stand on the side of an organization that was founded by a white supremacist and a racist that has been dedicated to the genocide of an entire race of people? Or do you stand for the biblical truth about life if you're a Christian? There's a lot of questions directed towards you regarding how to have conversations with people. And this, this question from Rochelle kind of talks about this. She says, sometimes it's hard to encourage someone to use their faith in God while considering who to vote for in an election. What's the best way to get that conversation started so that it could have a positive outcome? Oh, boy. Uh, you know, I think once again, you just have to pray about it and, and go to someone sincerely and talk about how your faith guides you. And we, and again, we're not talking about establishing a theocracy, but understand that there's good and evil, there's right and wrong. There are things that we have to stand for. There are things that we have to believe in. And just the same as God told Joshua in that first chapter in verses five through nine, that, you know, be strong and good courage. This book of the law that I've given to you, you must meditate upon it day and night. You must not turn from it from the right or to the left. Because if you do so, you will have success and prosperity wherever you go. 
And, and I believe that one of the problems that you see in the United States of America, we're getting away from our fundamentals. You know, I'm, I'm from down south. And one of the things we love down south is SEC college football. You really want to see us go crazy, cancel SEC college football season uh, this coming year. And you will see people go nuts. But the thing about SEC college football is about two things. You win because of two principles, blocking and tackling. And so when you get away from fundamentals, I don't care what kind of you know nifty plays you draw up or blitz schemes or whatever. If you can't block, you can't tackle, you're going to lose. So let's think about the blocking and tackling that enabled America to be the great nation that it has been for the past 245 years. And it starts with faith. There is no way that this country could have taken on the greatest power that the world knew at that time, which is Great Britain. 13 little ragtag colonies. And look at what they accomplished. And 245 short years later, this is the beacon. This is the place that people come to. This is where folks find safe harbor from the tumultuous seas all across the world. And if you lose the United States of America, if the light that is the United States of America goes out and that light is provided from the Christian community. And if we don't let our light shine, if we don't go out and stand up and be strong and courageous, we don't talk about our faith as we're engaging in people and we don't have to yell. We don't have to scream. We don't have to shout. My dad used to tell me that an empty wagon makes a lot of noise. When I was a kid, I didn't understand what he was talking about. But what he was saying is that people that don't have anything up here, they make a lot of noise out of here. But when you have something up here and you have something right here, you're calm. Just like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ said to the tumultuous seas, peace be still. Mm -hmm. A couple more questions left. We've got one from Scott and kind of along those lines. With all the negativity in this nation, is there anything positive you see as we go into the November election? Yes, I see the fact that people are, are awakening. I know that we turn on the TV and we see the worst that is out there the worst, I'm sorry, that is out there. But I really do see people that are standing up and saying, this is not my America. And, you know, in this time when we have had churches and their doors being shut closed, I've seen an incredible boost in people online watching church services because people are looking for hope. And that's why I'm so honored to be here as the, uh, the new interim president and CEO of the Hope Center here in Plano, Texas. Because our hope is anchored in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I believe, as it says in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, that the trials and tribulations that you go through will produce perseverance. The perseverance produces character, and character produces a hope. Not a hope in man, but a hope in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I believe that America is going through a trial and tribulation. And if we can just hold fast to our fundamental principles and values and restore those principles and values, we're going to come out shining like a diamond on the other side. Amen. Well, we just have a couple questions left for you. But before we get to that, I just want to remind people, if you want to find out more information, especially how to pray, how to think well about the issues, and then how to vote and know all the specifics that you need, we've got still primaries going on right now. And then obviously we're we're getting down to the wire for the November 3rd election. You can visit myfaithvotes.org and we've got all your resources there. Also, I want to call out to um, Colonel West. You had mentioned the article that you had written on Black Lives Matter. We actually have that posted on our Facebook page. So if people want to read that, it was getting a ton of interaction earlier today. People can scroll down on our Facebook page and see that there as well. So two more questions. Um, this question actually came up a lot. And it's, 
are you going to run for president in 2024? <laughs> 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 you know, it's not about me. Uh, you know, it's about being a, a servant. And, you know, I always refer people back to Proverbs chapter three, verse five through six, where it says, trust in the Lord with all thy heart, lean not upon your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will guide your path. Mm. Well, back when I was riding my motorcycle back from uh, Austin, Texas, and that rally on Saturday, the 23rd of May, I never thought that that day would end with me laying in a trauma surgery uh, unit in Waco, Texas, uh, pretty much so banged up. I mean, my body was broken. Just a month ago, I couldn't even, you know, move in the bed. I couldn't even sit my, my own body up. But yet, by the grace of God, you know, I'm back to running three, four and a half miles, and I'm here with each and every one of you. I don't know why I went through that cauldron. I don't know why I went through that crucible. But the thing is that we don't need to try to move the chess pieces of our life. What we need to do is just make sure that we listen to that calm, still, quiet voice and ask God to use us to be a servant for him. And so three weeks after that accident, I got the opportunity to be the president and CEO here at the Hope Center. It's unlike any other place in the world where 61 ministries are housed here working collaboratively to spread the word of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I don't know what God has planned for me. Hopefully I'm not riding any more motorcycles. That's for sure. But I just want to be a servant to him. I want to do exactly what Joshua said. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Well, we love the Hope Center. Our office is at the Hope Center for My Faith Votes, and we're honored to have you as our national spokesperson and just thrilled to have your calm, wise voice leading the cause to encourage Christians to vote this November. So um, before I ask our last question, I'm just going to close out, remind people to go to myfaithvotes.org, um, check up on what's happening, and hopefully we'll hear from you more, Lieutenant Colonel West, as we approach November 3rd. Um, and then also we're, we've asked him to close our time in prayer. So I'm going to ask one last question, and then he's going to close our time in prayer. So here we go. I think this is a great question, just as a clarion call for all of us. It comes from Scott. He mm -hmm. says, what's unifying message moving forward, which we as a nation and those of us who have platforms of impact and influence that we should be lifting and sharing? I think in 2 Corinthians uh, 3 and 17, it said, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Our spiritual, our earthly liberty starts with spiritual liberty. And I think that that's a great message. I think we also need to tell people that free does not equal freedom. Uh, when people are offering to do things for you and give you something for free, that means that they own you. That's not economically empowering you. That's economically enslaving you. And when you consider, if you're a Christian, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ went up on that hill. And he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And that's what we have to look at doing, drawing all men and women to this incredible message of being a victor, not being a victim. Being a Christian is not about being a victim. You've already won this battle. Doesn't mean that there's a rose garden out there, but understand that in these tribulations, you should not worry because you've already overcome these things. So I would say stay focused, stay positive, understand that you're the light and realize that this is a contact sport. And I don't wanna see any Christian, I don't wanna see us being driven back into the catacombs. I wanna see us stand for something, as my mother said so that we don't fall for anything. 
So I want to encourage you. I want you to go out and study. I don't want you to be the mindless lemming. I don't want you to be the useful idiot. I want you to be strong and of good courage. I want you to know that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. I want you to know that all things work to the good of those who are called by the Lord and according to his purpose. I want you to know also that you're more than a conqueror. And in closing, I want you to put on the full armor of God because too often Christians go out on this battlefield, this principled ideological battlefield, and we're not prepared. So have the Bible study groups, have issue study groups, iron sharpens iron. And let's go out and let's stand for God and country. Because in the United States of America, we sing a song called God Bless America. We don't say government bless America. Amen. All right. Well, would you close our time in prayer? Sure. Uh, please bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Heavenly Father, just want to thank you. Um, I am so deeply humbled and honored that you will allow this poor, you know, excuse of a person, this incredible platform that you have given. You know my faults, my failures, my shortcomings, but you don't see those things. You see someone that you can use. And I would just ask that every person that is under my voice and every person that is under the voice of those that are under this voice, they just submit to being an obedient servant to you, that they will find their strength. They will find their courage. They will find their wisdom. They will find their discernment. They will find their commitment. They will find their conviction. They will find their character to do what is right by you. They will do as Joshua said, that as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. That they will understand that they have to get engaged in the civics of this great nation and the political process of this great nation because we want to have righteous governance. We don't want to have governance that is not in conjunction with your law, which is the law which helped establish this great nation, which set us forth. We have an incredible blessing here in these great United States of America. And so many people have their eyes upon America and what is going on here. Let us come through this, as I said earlier, shining bright like a diamond, because I know that through this intense trial and tribulation, that's what you would have us to be. And as it says in James, that we should count it all joy when we come into trials and tribulation. Because as we say in the military, you don't take flack unless you're over the target. So let us not be afraid of going out and standing for what is right and what is true. Because we are victors. We're not victims. May God bless each and every one of the people that are on this call. May God bless these great United States of America. And may God keep us all. Amen. Amen. Lieutenant Colonel West, thank you so much. We are thrilled to have you on the team. We hope you enjoyed our insightful conversation with My Faith Votes National Spokesperson, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. For more information, visit MyFaithVotes.org, where you can receive voter resources to be informed and engaged. Again, visit MyFaithVotes.org.